Yo. Yo, ho, ho. And a bottle of rum. That's Welcome right. to MMA and stuff on halfguard.com. My name is Matt. That is Mr. Michael Coughlin, Esquire. We're bringing you all the news and the MMA and stuff on halfguarded.com, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, and anywhere else you can find uh, audio programs and yeah. such. If, if you're in the city of Chicago, sometimes I'm just yelling at people on the street. <laughs> that is a treat. Wouldn't it be funny if, like, at some point, like, the show and they followed you around Chicago to hear the show live? Oh, that would be amazing. Can you imagine? I could just have like this this crowd following me, like I'm Ferris Bueller, like the Pied Piper, sort of. Yeah, that's more what I picture. Yeah, yeah. Or, or my case, Lemmings going to their death. Do you? You're not a rum drinker, are you? I can't imagine. Um, not. I mean, I I guess, I don't know. That's like in fruity cocktails and stuff. I think it can be. I mean, there's nicer rums. I mean, it's like anything. It's an acquired taste, I guess, whether it's scotch or rum or tequila or whatever. But I, ne- I was never a rum person ever. Yeah, I, it, again, it seems like it's something that's like in, mixed with like cocktails and punch or whatever. Yeah. And, rum and Coke. Yeah. Y- yeah. And like, I don't know, I went with vodka for the first one. And uh, I guess I just stuck with it because, uh, well, look, if I try something once in life and I don't hate it, I will never deviate. Like I have to, I have to, if I find something else, it's way better. It's always an accident. Like I am, I am pathetically cautious at times. I'm not a role model for children. Well, one person who is also not a role model for children is the winner of the main event of UFC 232 this past weekend in Inglewood, California. Inglewood? Uh, Where? Always up to no good. There you go. Uh, attendance was 15,862 with a total gate of $2,066,000. You know, Inglewood up to no good making trouble in my neighborhood works real well this week, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, there was concerns about how this show would draw on six days' notice, and they sold out the arena and had a gate of over $2 million. Because so, Rome is burning, we all have fiddles. Hey, if I was in Inglewood, oh, I would have gone to probably get beat up a lot. But if I was going there uh, for a show, I, I would ch- I would check this show out on a, a week's notice and cheaper tickets. Actually, for sure. I, I say that I would go, and then I realized, like, just last week I was ranting how I would never give these people any money ever, and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and now, like, a week later, I'm like, I guess I'd pay for it. You know, the outrages <laughs> come down a little. I, I always enjoy a spectacle. Uh, so in the main event, John Jones defeated Alexander Gustafson by TKO at 202 of the third round and jones did what he always does outside the cage he fucks up all the time crashes cars gets duis tests positive for cocaine and different steroids and women's fertility drugs but inside the cage dude's pretty much unstoppable like greatest fighter of all time bar none i don't think you can argue that at this point unless you want to rule against him because of the steroid stuff but he just is so good. Like, this is the second time he fought Gustafson, and he didn't go five rounds. He beat him in third. It was emphatic. He was switching stances. He was getting takedowns. He was landing kicks and punches and pretty much whatever he wanted at will when he got a takedown in the third and just 
started dropping bombs on the back of Gustafson's head. And Gustafson, Gustafson was kind of laid out on his stomach, and it was kind of similar to the DC finish, except it didn't have the big high kick. But um, another great win for Jones, and no matter how much you may not like him and you think he's a scumbag or whatever, you can't argue how good he is in the cage. The guy's unbelievable. Well, the, the way that he's been uh, acting and holding himself for all, for all this, by the way, Okay, two people are recording. Good. I'm using a different headphones for this. Uh, oh, good. Yeah, I know Bluetooth <laughs> headphones. Uh, I'm using a new. Oh, look at that! We're all upgrading, everybody. Look, we've got a good Christmas around here. Anyways, with John Jones, <laughs> his personality, the way that he is like carrying himself now, where he's clearly just like laughing at everybody as he gets away with it again. What what it's like is. Imagine if, like, at the end of Silence of the Lambs, right? Hannibal Lecter goes off because he escapes. You've seen it, right? Yes. Okay. So he escapes the justice and blah, 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 and lives his life and killing people. And it kind of feels like he's, like, empowered to do this because, like, he got away with it. Except for, like, imagine if instead of him scurrying away and escaping, if, like, the governor of the state in the movie had said, you're okay, you're free to go, we're never going to charge you for a crime again. Imagine what he would have been like. He would have been laughing at people. He would have just been killing them and ripping their face off in front of everybody and going, ha, 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 you can't do anything. Oh, wait, I don't even think about it. Jones doesn't even have to pretend like he's sober anymore. Like, at least with, John, with, with, with Joe Rogan, he was pretending like I'm sober now or I, I'm changed and this and that. And this, this time he's, he's just full out like, nah, man, I'm not sober. Like, I thought of a book. That's not only has he said he's not sober, he's outwardly said, and that's not going to happen anytime soon. Like, he's out there mocking us all. That's how fucking good he is at this sport. It's awful. Like, he, the, this win was impressive considering the layoff considering how little he's fought in the last couple of years because Gus is no joke I mean he went five rounds with Jones when Jones was like legit in his prime and they're both 31 um, he's coming off two wins one over Buklovich and one over Teixeira it's not like Gus is some slouch he's besides Cormier the best light heavyweight in the world um, so I, I don't know where Jones goes from here uh, post-fight interview, he talked about uh, a fight with DC again, but at light heavyweight. That fight doesn't really do much for me. I think we've seen that twice and know how it's going to end. At heavyweight, there's a little more intrigue maybe, but uh, Jones made it sound like he had no interest in that. I hope that Jones has got to be playing some sort of long con here or whatever. And here's my theory. I think what Jones is doing is he's going to taunt Cormier into coming back down to light heavyweight. Sam, you're not a real champion, all this shit, blah, blah, blah. Because Jones doesn't want to move up to heavyweight because, I don't know, he's a fucking weirdo. And Jones just makes up weird shit, right? So he's, what he's going to do is he's going to taunt Cormier into coming down to light heavyweight. So the day before the fight, Cormier's you know, going to vacate his heavyweight title, and then he's going to fight Jones. And then that day, Jones just goes, oh, shit, look at that. I missed weight. And then Cormier can't fight for the belt, and everything's tarnished again. I don't know why else he wouldn't go up to heavyweight. Yeah, it's fucking weird. Yeah, like why why not just not cut any weight and fight at two twenty five? Because that's probably his natural weight. Well, maybe he figures, uh, like, is Cormier? That you know what I think it is? Because Cormier like, be so sound... much bigger than him at heavyweight. Because he no. got thirty or forty pounds on him. Because Cormier really takes advantage. Cormier... Of... Cormier takes full advantage of that two hundred sixty five pounds he's given. Jones probably won't. 
Like I, I, but I, I just don't get. Like I, I feel like Jones, obviously mentally is a little off, but like I want to say like he lacks confidence, but like this shit's showing up in his system, the Torino ball or whatever. It's like a sign that like he needs this like extra boost to confidence when clearly he doesn't because he's unbelievable. And then on top of it, it's like, like if both of you guys naturally weigh like two thirty, why not just fight at two thirty and not cut any weight? Like who cares? Like if if Cormier came in at two forty, what difference does it make when you already kicked his ass twice? I don't. Like, see what's it. the mentality? I, I don't like, see it. To me, it's it. a lack of confidence. I don't see it. Know? However, Jones sees it, and Jones is like I've said, he's Trumpian. His shit always works, and he's always doing it for some reason. So until until John Jones ever suffers a negative consequence for any decision he's ever made in his life. I'm just glad to do what he does. Do you think? Do you think the fight will happen at light heavyweight next, or do you see like Brock getting in there with Cormier, or like because if Jones doesn't fight Cormier next, it's like who's next in line at light heavyweight? Anthony Smith. What if Jones fights Brock? Okay. For an interim heavyweight title, they just create one, <laughs> and then Jones can steal Cormier's big payday. And then go yeah. up and then demand and they call Cormier a fake heavyweight champion. Basically sidestep fighting Cormier at heavyweight and then still take his title from him. Taking all the things. I can't imagine Dana would do that to Cormier though. I, I feel like they're on pretty good terms, even though Cormier went off on Twitter about the whole USADA thing. But good um, terms with Dana White die the moment he can make more money off of you. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, mean, look what he did with Jones. Look what he did with all this shit. He burned so many good terms with this thing. I love it. I haven't heard anything about the buys for the show, have you? Um, no, but I'm going to say that somebody will be like, because of the new year, there's a delay in the reporting and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. No, but I, I, I would say I, I felt like it was a big show. People who don't normally buy the show that I'm, I'm friendly with got it. Uh, and usually that's a sign that we're talking 750 plus anyway. That would sound you know, I, I guess that's about right. I, I, it's tough for me to figure out what Jones is as far as a draw because I know, think he's a big deal. But that last I, fight, I, was, you know, the last fight was him and Cormier, and that's kind of like those guys are a special combination. True. So, True, like but, on his own against guys. I mean, again, seven fifty sounds right to me, but for all I know, it could be nine hundred. Yeah, mean, the dude's like I, I have no judge on this stuff. I don't understand how the world works anymore. I just don't. I don't. I don't know how things work. I barely understand how automatic transmission works. In fact. That's a lie. I have no idea how an automatic transition transmission works. I don't know how a manual works either. I was going to say, uh, now that I think about it, anything, <laughs> anything more complicated than a bicycle, and honest to goodness, if you ask me to explain how a bicycle works without yeah. me being able to draw something, I couldn't do it. I'm not really uh, sure. I, like, I'm not really sure how the chain functions in the bicycle deal. Mm. Like, I know there's something is connected to pedals. And like, again, I could probably figure it out, but I'm... I don't really feel comfortable saying that I know how a bicycle works either. And you're just talking like a BMX bike. You're not talking like a 21 speed or anything. I'm just talking like a thing with a basket in the front of it. Is that the kind you ride? Well, if I could ride a bike. I don't know if I could ride a bike. I presume I could still ride. I was talking to my mom the other day, and she swears that she could ride a bike still. I'm like, you haven't ridden a bike in 50 years. She thinks she can do it. So I'm going to make her ride a bike with her broken hip and see if she falls. Can you record it? Oh, fuck yeah. I'm not going to okay. do this for my own amusement. I'm going to do it for the world. I, I, there is a saying, it's like riding a bike. 
Yeah, and I guess that's the saying, but uh, I kept saying you, it the whole time. You don't I believe it. Well, the whole time I was doubting her ability to ever ride a bike again, on the back of my head, all I'm thinking is, it's like riding a bike. It's like riding a bike. It's like riding a bike. I'm like, yeah, but she's really unathletic. So this is a challenge. I got to really got to get a life. I really need a life. Why would John Jones think about it? I'm, I'm in some respects, not me, this whole website, you and I together are about as respectable as MMA journalists as you can get. Why would John Jones listen to any of us? Who gives a shit? Mm, it's fair. Uh, one journalist who didn't listen to prior to the show was a woman. I forget her name at the moment. I think she was from Sweden or wherever Gustafson is. He, she was like a little aggressive with her questioning. This was at a presser with Jones, Gus, uh, Nunez, and Cyborg. And she was asking why, why are you allowed to fight after three drug test failures? And Jones like went at her like bad like who are you get out of here let's get some real journalists in here what a joke like just totally berating this woman and then at the same time the woman was getting booed for her questions like it was ridiculous but jones did apologize the next uh the next night like after the show he apologized to her which i found interesting good for him for doing that i guess he's a very magnanimous individual that's how he generally described john jones athletic magnanimous big dick He's just, these are the phrases that we use in John Jones. I, that, was a, that was a weird situation there because like Jones's reaction and Dana's reaction to her was way harsher than I would have expected because it's not like they were like... Well, Dana, oh. Dana kind of defended her a little bit. He's like, let her ask the question. Yeah, but then you like know? he went after her like, what, what's, what is this? This is amateur, blah, blah, blah. And I think it's, it's basically because she doesn't speak English. And <laughs> that's really what it is. It, it sounded to me like what she was really trying to say was like, like asking, basically, why should people believe that you're clean now because of all this right. stuff? And I think that's what she was trying to say. But the problem is when you're speaking to someone whose English is their second language, you have to really give them the benefit of the doubt on things. And mm. Jones instead was just like, you're a moron. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was funny. He got into it with Bisbing on some show, too, because Bisbing is like, so what happens after the fight if you test positive? And Jones, like, didn't answer. Like, he just blew off the question and talked about how he was looking forward to the fight or some shit. And he was all bullshit at Bisbing, I guess. And, it's probably because... Yeah, it, well, it's how, a fair question. Well, how, like, how, what, what happens if he tests with 80 picograms next week? Then Jones... Nothing? Just, then Jones just says, hey, USADA, come on. Like, we've already gone this far. Are you going to you gonna, you gonna hold up yourselves now? Come on. Right. Well, I, I guess the question is, if he... He was claiming at one point in some presser that it could be in his system for seven years, and it's so scary. It'll probably be in his um, system until roughly around the time he retires. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's, it's a real pain. That, you know, it, it's a damn shame to think that this man accidentally ingested uh, a steroids from at a, Olive for, Garden for, at Olive Garden from a dick pill that will stay in the system for seven years. These are the most powerful fucking dick pills you will ever have. This is kind of like one of those, like, you know, uh, like they tell people, like, if you take acid, you're going to get a flashback in 20 years. This is kind of like, hey, if you take this dick pill in seven years, your dick's going to get randomly hard again because of all the steroids that are just constantly flowing through you. John Jones is a national treasure and a hero and and just everything I wish I could be in life. We didn't talk about it at all last week because the news hadn't really broke yet, broken. Uh, 
that he had two other tests, like one in August and one <laughs> yeah. in September that he tested positive for. And they were each that, getting gradually yeah. higher and higher. And no one acknowledged it. It was, until like, after it was like the 20, fact. But Dana, 40, Dana 60. Told, Dana told Gus that he only failed one test. And then like the next day, like I think Novitsky was on Rogan's show and said, oh yeah, he had two other failures, one in August and one in September. It's like, what the hell? Like, what? Why are we testing them for any levels? And I guess they've talked about raising like the threshold you can have of this stuff in your system, which whatever. Uh, Is this gonna be like how they so, had the Diaz rule? Now they're gonna have the Jones yeah, rule. Reed, I guess maybe on certain things. I don't know. I obviously. Part part of the issue I think with a lot of this stuff is yes, one they're shooting from the hip because you can't test this stuff on humans because it's illegal and it's not good for you. It's like you can't have Trinibol trials to see how long the stuff stays in your system legally. Like Actually, the Russian doctor. Do. I, here's the thing: I think they do yeah. know though because they, there are like legitimate medical uses for this stuff. I'm pretty sure they know how this stuff works in the body. This is the reason this seems complicated. It's because they're making up horseshit. They're just looking for excuses for a guy that was caught cheating. They're like, I think oh dep- shit, we keep catching him. I think it depends on the drug, though. He's, like stuff that's that micro- like a leg- he's doing that microdosing shit. But here's, Probably. And here's how you know he is. Because the moment this all started coming out, a bunch of people who aren't like microbiologists, like pro fighters and everything, start going, oh, he's microdosing. So clearly, the industry, if you will, knows very well, oh, yeah, this is what you do to beat the test. And Barry Bonds and A-Rod were doing that shit back when they had money. So now that Jones has a little bit of money, he's just cheating. He's just a big cheater. And we all know it. Turinabol is an anabolic steroid that is usually administered orally. It is a derivative dianabol, but is not aromatized into estrogen. It is an anabolic steroid that, although rather slowly, provides great results and offer far less side effects than the other anabolic steroids. The steroid was made by a company called Genifarm, located in East Germany in the 1960s. Yeah. Like something... well, that sounds again, like something you want to put into your body. I'm sure that there are legitimate medical reasons for... But somebody's making it somewhere. And that's... Although, what if it was just some like old stash from the 60s <laughs> and that's all there's left? The goal of the steroid was to provide better results for their athletes in sporting events such as the Olympics. Many people claim that the steroid was one of the main reasons for the domination of East German oh, sports throughout the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Wait a second. You were saying it's not like you could do human trials with this stuff. Yeah, you can. The Soviet Union did shit like that to everyone all the time, and they were record well, that, keepers too. That's where the most recent Rod Chinkoff, the guy from that cycling movie or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean they're doing it. He he did he did some trials, but it's like 2011 or whatever. And it's like, oh, can we really trust this Russian's test results or whatever? Because his study said it stays in your system for 50 days. That's but so supposedly the testing's better now. Is the argument, and I'm not okay. I'm not vouching for either side. I don't fucking know. No, that that, makes, that that's their argument. That makes sense. He he was saying 50 days with better testing, it could be seven years. Definitely. <laughs> the science has really advanced since 2011. I mean, think about this. I, I don't know if it's, I, I don't know if it's exactly true, but there's something like the human body replaces every cell in its body every seven years. 
So basically, John Jones is saying this will be in me until I no longer exist as I am now. Uh huh. I love this man. It's I don't even know if it's him. It's the people. But wait, we, we say seven. We say seven years, but seven years ago was the last time Nick Diaz won a fight. <laughs> it was ten years past BJ Penn's prime. All right. Uh, in the semi-main event, we had one of the the bigger upsets in women's MMA history when Amanda Nunes defeated Chris Cyborg by knockout at 51 seconds of the first round. Uh, this was unbelievable. Nunes came out and beat the shit out of Cyborg, almost like she did with Ronda Rousey. It wasn't quite at that level, but pretty damn close. She rocked her early and just kept landing more punches, and Cyborg went out cold, flat on her face, and was out. Uh, this is Cyborg's first loss since 2005. She was on a 21-fight win streak. Nunes came up in weight, was the smaller fighter, uh, and just blitzed her, smoked her, looked unbelievable. Uh, my one takeaway is that Amanda Nunes hits harder than most dudes. Yeah, she does. She's got that Lineker-like kind of power where her hands just kind of they seem heavier, and her big, long monkey arms give her more leverage when she's punching you and shit like that. I can say monkeys. She's not black. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I kind of wonder like what happened here beyond the obvious, which is she caught her and that's what happens. Cause yeah. it's not like cyborg is she's fought, you know, she had that, that one kickboxing match against that chick who was a real good kickboxer and she wasn't like overwhelmed or anything like that. So this isn't the case of necessarily a case where the big scary chick just got exposed the first time anyone ever hit her. It's not like she's been afraid of punches, but boy, I mean, Amanda Nunez, you, you always think, like, people are always saying, like, for a strategy, like, you know, you got to get them early, right? Like, you don't want to wait. Like, that's what, it, that's what it means to get off first base, man. Get them early. Just go out there and punch her right in the fucking face. And, uh, God damn, it was, it was incredible. And it, it, I mean, Amanda Nunez, to – we will see the upper limit as to how many pay-per-view buys – a gay, lesbian, Brazilian woman can ever earn because she will never be a bigger star than she is now. Whatever her next fight is, is as big a star as she could possibly be. Like, to put it in perspective, like, Cyborg hadn't lost since 05. Like, Tough hadn't even started yet. Jeez. I mean, Do you know what I mean? It yeah. Was the first season of Tough when she lost I was the an, last fight. I was an undergrad. Like, that's ridiculous. It was before Hurricane Katrina. Like they hadn't like most of the. <laughs> Think about that. Imagine what the steroid testing was like back then. I was gonna say like the stuff that was in your system then could be detected for like twelve years or whatever. They weren't good enough at hiding it. I mean, two thousand five. That is two John Jones cycles of steroids. Apparently, that's a long ass fucking time. Thirteen. Your favorite. Your favorite movie came out that year. The Edge. No, that was ninety seven. Brokeback uh, Mountain. Oh. Yeah, it's a good movie. It really is a good movie. Like I know what I people think it's. It. I know people think it's like. I mean, it could have used a, a little more uh, sex, a little more penetration. Yeah, but it is what it is. Totally. Uh, anyway, uh, I, it's rare on one show you get to see the greatest men's fighter and the greatest women's fighter of all time. Yeah, I think it could be very fair to say that. Uh, on five days' notice, the people of Los Angeles got to witness history. How how <laughs> magnificent and honorable it came across in person. 
what um where where do you go now though if you're the UFC? Do you get rid of the featherweight division? Suppose Cyborg's got one more fight on her contract. Do you run this fight back again and then have Cyborg be a free agent? Like to me, like from a matchmaking context and a contract sort of deal, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Because um, if Cyborg comes back and beats Nunes and then wants more money or whatever, or they're just sick of her shit and want to let her go, they're kind of in between a rock and a hard hard spot But in that situation. Yeah, it, it did seem kind of like Dana's attitude immediately after the show was kind of like, well, why would I do that? I'm not going to do that. Like, there's no reason for this. And I kind of – Dana – never forgets when you fucked him over. He's like Trump in that regard. And I can see this as being his situation. Be like, yeah, fuck you. you. You wanted Tito as your manager? Here's how we deal with Tito as a manager. Let's play ball. Well, there's something to like, there's a timeline on her contract, like March her contract's up. Like she doesn't, it's, it's a weird one where if she doesn't fight again before March, I think she's just a free agent or something. It's weird. Um, it's so same, I'll be it, curious. At the same time, I will say this for Cyborg. In some respects, obviously, until recently, she had proven that she was more or less worth her contract. She had done every, yeah. everything you could have asked her she to do, she did, and she was drawing well, it seemed. Uh, so if if I'm her and I don't get offered a new deal by the UFC, I'm sitting there going, well, that's kind of bullshit. Now, if I'm the UFC, I might think, okay, there's no point to offer a contract to the chick that's the only person in the division. Right. And, and they are in a title uh killing spree right now. So what you do is you get rid of this title until Cyborg she's moving up to 155, you bring in Kayla Harrison. And really beat Cyborg up. Hey, that would actually be that'd be I'd be really interested in that. If if Cyborg had won this fight, I could see that. But now I I don't know. Um either way it's interesting because it's a weird division with no women in it and Nunez I mean, can make 135. <laughs> the hell of a clearly. division. The hell of a division. <laughs> it's a division with nobody in it. Nobody, nobody in that division. Nobody who is naturally in that division has, uh, Megan Anderson. has really won a fight recently, except for Megan Anderson, who won by Topoke. She's wicked. She's like 6'1 or something. She's, She's huge. She's a natural yeah. 45er. For sure. The only one in the world. I saw something that they weighed um, the fighters' fight night, and Cyborg only weighed four pounds more than Nunes. So clearly, they're just lying about all kinds of shit now. <laughs> California is. Why not? Uh, in prior to that, we had Michael Chiesa defeating Carlos Condit with a Kimura at fifty-six of the second round. Um, a lot of mat work in this one. Condit was able to get back up a few times, but Chiesa was usually on top. Condit was going for some submissions on the ground, but it was a weird finish. Like Condit's like, I think it was his left arm was like wrenched behind him and he was kind of posting on it. And then like, I don't know. Chiesa kind of put weight on it and kind of got caught and it was just in an awkward position. And uh, Chiesa kind of tapped out real quick. Chiesa put, put him in a Kimura and then yeah. with the one, um, with the hand that's normally grabbing his own wrist, he just grabbed Condit's wrist instead and used that to, as a leverage. And then he could put yeah. his then he put his other hand on the hip to keep the hip in place, and then he could torque it a little bit. It's a heck of a it's a it's a neat little uh, neat little deal. Like I don't know if it would necessarily always finish guys because I could see like how like losing. I don't know. It's it's not a bad little technique you've got there. Obviously, it worked. It, so 
Yeah, it was just weird how like Conda was sitting up sort of and like just the way it just looked like it was wrenching his shoulder. It was just awkward. But this is I think Conda's fifth or sixth loss in a row. Um and it's not like he's looking bad, but he didn't take a lot of damage. But yeah, he's lost five in a row and six of his last seven. It's probably time to hang him up, I would say. That last fight with him and Lawler just kind of destroyed both those guys forever, didn't it? It feels that way. Yeah, that's it's kind of we we say things like that, and you go, "Oh, the, a guy will never be the same." And then you're like watching people in real time, you're going, "Oh shit!" Like I watch for entertainment, a human being's body break down so much so that they'll never be the same person again, and I barely even remember it. To put it into perspective, he's two and eight in his last ten. The UFC really has to stop doing this shit. Let's stop well, letting guys get to Especially this. when they're not draws. Like, nobody, nobody really gives a shit about Condit. Like, I remember him from WEC, what, like, or knocking out D. Going back and beating Rory McDonald. Like, that's the Carlos Condit, like, I remember. A natural born killer, just nasty, nasty fighter, mean. And he, I just feel like he's an old dad now. What he is you is. Know, he, he was good. I think, you know what I mean? I think talent wise, he's always kind of been, it was basically dead. Bellator level and I think Bellator is kind of the level he'd be at talent wise right now is the kind of guy that when he's at his athletic peak for a little bit of time he can compete in the UFC at the, at the high level no doubt but now that he's past that it, he'd be better let's face it let's watch him in Bellator let's see uh, see him and uh, Paul Daly uh, that'd be sad him and Lorenz Larkin there you go I'd rather just not see him fight anymore. Well, that's I, I, I think he, he's got 43 fights. It's like, it's enough. Like, or Japan. Walk, walk he could go to Japan and do something. That's free, money. Garcia. That's, that's free money. Apparently, you don't have to do anything in Japan to make a lot of money. That's a list. Good one for Chiesa, though. Moving up from, from 155 up to welterweight. Yeah, and this uh, also boosts the stock of Anthony Pettis. Kiesa didn't look small at all either. Like he, he looked fine at welterweight. He, he did. He looked a little thin still compared to Condit. Kind of seemed like like he was a little naturally thicker. But Kiesa's got like a big frame and heights, and uh, yeah. it looks like he could pack, if he packed on a little girth, that'd help him. A little, little more girth. Yeah, I get it. Corey Anderson Cock. defeated Iller Latifi unanimous decision twenty nine twenty eight on all three cards. I have no recollection of this fight. I can't see uh, it happened. It happened. Iller Latifi's still short. Yeah. In the opener, we had Alexander Volkanovsky defeating Chad Mendez by TKO at four fourteen of the second round. Yeah, it seemed like Gold Chad just kind of gassed out or something. I'm not sure. And Volkanovsky proved to be uh, the rare tough Australian. And Chad Mendez retired after this loss. I would. One of my favorites is the, uh, yeah, you beat me, but you know what? I'm retiring just to make sure that no one gives a shit. <laughs> like, you didn't really beat me, man. Like, I kind of already had one foot out the door. doesn't count. Yeah, uh, obviously the biggest win of Volkanovski's career. Uh, Mendez, I'll always just remember for losing to Jose Aldo and Conor McGregor. Had a hell of a little career for being a short steroid user. It was for his psoriasis. Yeah. 
On Fox Sports 1, Walt Harris defeated Andre Arlovsky in a bad fight by split decision. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Megan Anderson defeated Kat Zingano by TKO. Eye injury at 101 of the first. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of... She kicked at her in the, the toe, like, grazed the eye or something, and then Kat covered up, and they said that that's a submission TKO or whatever. And I'm like, I guess, but... And I know like the, the, the referee doesn't stop and it doesn't count, but... It, it reminds me of Vitor and uh, Randy Couture that one time where you're like, okay, something weird happened, but we really should just like have a rule for this because clearly nobody in the world ever thought oh, she's going to win the fight because her toenail is going to graze her eyeball. Like That's not a win. So what, what, no contest? I have no idea. I would just let them fight again right away that night. I would just tell Catherine Gano, <laughs> you got to suck it up, Buttercup. We'll let you, we'll, you splash some water. And then in she says, I can't. I can't see out of my eye. Then it's a submission due to cowardice. And we need to have <laughs> that. They, we need to have that next to my favorite sure dog, like the TKO submission retirement yeah. cowardice. Nice. Okay. Peter Yan defeated Douglas. Oh, Megan Anderson, uh, now the number one contender at Featherweight. Sure. Number two behind Cyborg. I mean, she's. You know, Cyborg must be number one contender. On a given Nunes day, if you just took all of the women in the featherweight division and put their names in a pot and just randomly drew them out, on any given day, these two ladies would either be one or two every single time. You know what I would watch and be okay with? Nunez versus Holly Holm at featherweight. Did they ever fight at the other they never. They've never fought somehow. Oh. Um, they've never fought. That fight would be terrible. Yes. That would be really – that'd be a bad fight because Holly Holm fights suck. Um, honestly, I don't want to see Amanda Nunez fight anymore. Like, don't get me wrong. If she fights, I'll watch it. But for the most part, like, she's a boring-ass fighter, and she's had these two amazing moments. Let's just end it there. She's never going to do any better. She's never going to be more exciting than this. Just quit while you're ahead. All right? Get by your girlfriend a car and avoid California taxes. Um, also – Shevchenko, how good is she? She's at like 125 and has gone five rounds and probably might have won one of those fights against Nunez, who just beat the shit out of Cyborg, who no one's ever beat. Pretty good. Yeah. No, yeah. It's, uh, I know that's weird MMA math, but like the more you think about Shevchenko, it's like she's good. She's really good. And she's, you know, even though it's smaller, she's, she has owned the shit out of Joanna throughout her career also. So, like, she's dealt mm-hmm. with technical shit. She's dealt with bigger chicks. Yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable seeing Valentina Shevchenko's greatest female fighter of all time. <laughs> pound for pound. Uh, Peter Yan defeated Douglas Silva Andrade by TKO. Corner stoppage at the end of the second. Yeah, I think... I could, no, I was thinking of the Vinny Magalhaes fight, I think. Yeah, this is... I don't know. Ryan Hall beat BJ Penn with a heel hook oh, at 246 of the first. My gosh, this was the saddest thing on the show. I mean, he just rolled into it and grabbed a heel hook. BJ turned the complete wrong way. Like, day one, like, if you're, if you're, like, everybody turns the correct way in a heel hook. It's kind of like, part, and he just got tapped right away. It was over. It was like BJ's not even losing because of athleticism or anything. This is just him losing because he's not good enough. Oh my gosh, Ryan Hall beat you in a minute. In a minute. 
you need to bury yourself in the sand, DJ. Just leave your head above it so children can come by and just use you as like a like a like a like a guidepost and in the play in the ocean. That's the only thing you're good for anymore, BJ. You're done. You got to stop. On the prelims on Fight Pass, Nathaniel Wood defeated Andre Yule with a rear naked choke. Uriah Hall defeated Bevon Lewis by knockout. Curtis Melender defeated Saya Bahadazada, unanimous decision. And Montel Jackson defeated Brian Kelleher with a dar set, a minute 40 of the first. I bet Montel Jackson's black because there's no way in fuck. There's no white guy ever named Montel. Fight of the night went to Alexander Volkanovsky versus Chad Mendez. Performances went to Amanda Nunes and Ryan Hall. Um, yeah, I, I can't really argue against any of those other than to say there is something to the fact that John Jones just get like everything because he's so good. But I wouldn't give him anything because he's a cheater. So call this the USADA tax. <sighs> he still he could still pop, like for real. Although at this point, if you're California and his test came back with something in it, what on earth would you do? Who would you tell? Like, how could you tell well, anyone? You know what I was thinking about? Like, what if Gustafson got, like, a legit injury? Like, would he have any claims, like, against UFC or California or something for letting this guy in there with this in his system? No. No. What's the point of the drug testing, then? Like, he failed the drug test. Okay, he does. In the same way that Mark Hunt does. It's just that it's a theoretical deal, and actually proving it would be so difficult. I mean, there'd be so many people involved. I mean, especially with a government cover like that, um, the government couldn't be held liable. In the UFC, it would be a tough one. Hey, the money might be worth. Look, I'm willing to give a shot. California, California sanctioned Jones, knowing he tested positive for this test. Nevada wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, it it would be unless a, like Gustafson just signs off and says no problem, I'll fight him. I don't care if it's in his system. Here's then the, I guess even they're the, not liable. That that's what it probably ultimately come down to. That'd be their strongest argument. But it it, it would be interesting. Uh, I could I would definitely take the case. So Gus, if you're feeling like uh, your head hurts a little more than it should, you're right. You've been screwed by the man, the black man. Uh, there there were a couple other. Entertaining shows this week. Yeah, there were. Uh, on New Year's Eve, we had two giant shows. One was Ryzen 14 from the Saitama Super Arena. In the main event, we had Floyd Mayweather Jr. defeating Tenshin Nasakawa by TKO corner stoppage at 219 of the first round in an exhibition boxing match. That was a that was the main event. Yes. Oh my god. Floyd, I thought Floyd's for sure not... it would be like some sort of like semi-main event or middle of the card and like on the main event they'd have like something that wasn't a total wow they really went for it huh oops um floyd just tooled tension it wasn't even like when i was watching it i i questioned whether it was a work or not because it was so one-sided and so stupid looking like tension, like when he got knocked down, would like flop around and like roll around the ring, like he was selling like Shawn Michaels against Hulk Hogan at that SummerSlam. Like it was bad, and 
I guess he's never been knocked out in his career ever. So just his behavior and his selling here just looks suspicious to me. And maybe I'm an idiot and Floyd's just bigger and hits a lot harder and outweighs tension by 20 pounds. And maybe tension is 20 years old and was never professionally boxed in his life. And he's fighting the best boxer of this generation. Maybe that's the issue too. Probably it was not a good fight. It was like tension was trying to punch Floyd as hard as he could. And Floyd just put his arms up and absorbed the punches and then just like socked him in the face and knocked him down repeatedly, like three times in two minutes. I mean, if it's a work, if it's not a work, does it really matter? At the end of the day, the result is exactly the same. The spectacle Just, is I, the same. Like when I, I think of like, forget about whether or not it, it makes sense to work it or whatever who'd benefit, but it's like, okay, who cares? Like really, I don't know what would be going on. I mean, they paid Floyd. I, 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 I don't know. I, I think it's safe to say he's just bigger and better. And, yeah. uh, you know, tension got hit. Just, one just of the, the way tension was falling down and getting back up. Like, I've seen a lot of boxing matches and guys get knocked out or knocked down. And, like, they don't fall down like he did and, like, roll around. And, like, it was like Brock and Kane, some of it, where it was, wow. like, flipping around. That, that may be a good example, which is Maybe. these are pros. You know they're not. He's not a professional. He means not a professional boxer though. He doesn't have the balance. Right. His balance isn't there. He's a nineteen-year-old kid. One of those punches, like the first one that dropped him, it looked weird. But that's the reason I think the fight is definitely not a work is because okay. because it looked weird. It was a kind of fall that you can't work a fall like that. That's that when you go to step on the a staircase, the step, and there's you miss the step kind of fall. We're like, oh shit! Like he just kind right. of like fell that way, and you can see his equilibrium seemed off and. I think it's a 19-year-old kid who was really, really dizzy and outweighed by 25 or 30 pounds by the greatest boxer of all time, maybe. And he's got to be – and, and all of a sudden, he's looking around, seeing stars, and he's like, uh-oh. And he knows he's in a country where they are very, 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 very willing to let you get the shit beat out of you for your entertainment. <laughs> like, in the States, if you see some guy like that – in the States, that probably never happens because the referee look at his eyes and be like, oh, my gosh. His eyes are clearly glassy. This man can't see. Like, even in the 30s, they would have looked at him and be like, he's clearly concussed. This is dangerous. And in Japan, they're like, ah, oh, oh, you good now, ha. Huh? And they send him on his way. I was trying not to go racist with it there at the end because I had a really good point. There was a non-racist point about the, the brutality of the Japanese culture, and I reduced it to a terrible stereotype. I'm a monster. Floyd was reportedly paid $9 million for this. So is it, was it going to be a million dollars a minute or something like that originally. And it could have been. Yeah. Still They'd seems kind of light. One. I saw something uh, funny. I, I don't know who posted it, but like, why does Floyd need $9 million when he already has a billion? It's like, if I had a hundred thousand dollars, I would take another 9,000. Yeah. Like, exactly. I, I don't understand that logic. Like it's, at a certain point that like, you forget like oh it seems like it's not a lot of money it's still nine million dollars like it's basically yeah. enough money to buy anything in the world like if you had just an extra nine million dollars laying around <laughs> you could buy yeah. anything you want to un- or like nine million dollars is kind of like extra money you're like i'm gonna start buying weird art like i'm gonna buy shit from like the netherlands or whatever just because and you're like why'd you do that you're like i had an extra nine million bucks laying around i took a trip to japan for a weekend and i got nine million bucks and i came home and i I bought the uh, a Van Gogh, one of his earlier ripoffs. 
before he was outed as a pedophile. In the co-main, Kyochi Horiguchi defeated Darian Caldwell, uh, guillotine choke, at 11-13 of the third round to win the inaugural Ryzen Bantamweight Championship. It says 11-13 of the third round. Or maybe total time. Yeah. Maybe it's total time. That would make a lot more sense. Otherwise, I want to see this fight because that's an interesting round system. I like the yeah, – oh, that's a good one. What if MMA fights were first rounds five minutes, second rounds ten minutes, third rounds fifteen minutes, and it just kept getting longer and longer as the fight went on? Guys would know, like, <laughs> like you'd be, you'd be like in the eighth round, and you'd be like, like the the yeah the eighth round, you'd be like, oh fuck me, man! Like if we don't if we don't do this now, if I don't finish this, the next round's gonna be even longer. Like I have to go fifty minutes for the next round. I just went forty five. I can't do this. Uh, good win for Horiguchi, moving up from 125 to 135 and beating a real guy in Caldwell. Sure. It is. Uh, and in the fight everyone wanted to see the most, Gabby Garcia defeated Barbara Nepa Musino with a key lock <laughs> at 235 of the first. I mean, it was, it was in fact a key lock. Which is the the submission of the re, of the moron? Like that's the kind of mongoloid submission. That's the th- that's the submission a big, 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 big person gets because they're just laying on top of you and their hands are kind of like right there. And like it, like a kimura, you have to kind of shift your body. Maybe you want to step over the head to create more leverage or whatever. But the key lock is just kind of like grab it and wrench it. Just bring the bring that wrist to the back of their head and go. So you have, like you, have, you don't have, to, you have a lot of uh, a lot of skill there. Also, you don't need a lot of skill when you're a 250 pound woman. I believe she weighed in at 225. Her opponent here, Barbara, weighed like 204. So this is one of the more similar sized fights you'll ever see for Gabby. Uh, horrible striking, but she kind of pushed Barbara, old Barbara, down and fell on top of her and got the key lock. Post-fight, uh, an old grandmother, former pro wrestler, I think Candori or something, got in the ca- in the ring and tried to attack her. So I, I think that Shinobu Candori, I think is her name, that fight has not happened twice because I think Candori got injured. So maybe we can get that next New Year's Eve. I mean, if she's still alive. Like, okay, what kind of opponent can we get? What kind of person? naturally will have a very, very, very destroyed body. I know, a pro wrestler. Their bodies are fraught and frail and shot. Oh, but what about somebody else? Oh, what about a grandmother? Old ladies are often frail. What if we combine the two of them and then have her fight somebody that weighs 100 pounds more than her who's a steroided Brazilian woman? What is wrong with Japan? Why does no one in the world seem to acknowledge the fact that Japan is a really weird fucking country. We just let this shit happen. If this was happening in Saudi Arabia, do you know the outrage we would have as Americans? Imagine if they brought in 250-pound steroid women to beat up small little Arabic women in their in their little uh, headdresses, and we just for their as a bunch of sheiks sat there and like clapped and applauded. This we'd be like, this is horrifying. This would be brutality. Yet in Japan, it happens. We're like, oh look at that! There's probably like a Hello Kitty thing involved. 
We would be terribly remiss if we, we didn't discuss the Garcia-Candori feud a little more in depth. Candori was expected to face Gabby Garcia on December 31st, 2016 at Ryzen's year-end show in Saitama. However, a rib injury forced her to pull out of the fight. She was replaced by Yumiko Hada. And I think she, Hoda. She was the one that ran back and forth across the ropes, I think. Sure. Was crossing. And then Candori was set to face Garcia again last year, December 31st, 2017. But this time the fight was canceled due to Garcia missing weight by 28 pounds. That happened. I mean, who, who, who doesn't remember those times when they booked it? You know, we say that, but at least they canceled the fight. California would have sanctioned it. Why does Candori want to fight Garcia so bad? It's so weird. She's 54. Well, you you have to understand that there are no other female fighters for her to fight. She's desperate for anything, and finally, someone, someone, another female has emerged. And Kandori has an opponent. She's been waiting her whole life. She's like fifty-four, or whatever. It's been decades. She's been ba- she she's she's watching the TV, the news. She's seen the states, like as all the women in the Orient do, where they're like, "Oh, I, I wish I had those freedoms that they have there." She's seen Ronda Rousey rise to fame, and she's going, "I knew it. I knew one day the time would come for us women. No longer would she have to just beat up people and like." you know, bars and shit like she's probably doing like for most of her career, like her and uh, what's your face, uh, Tanya Evinger. Wouldn't that be a great buddy movie? Kandori and Tanya Evinger just going around drinking and beating the shit out of cowboys. I'd watch. I'd totally want uh, to see that now. Kandori made her MMA debut at LLPW Ultimate L1 Tournament in July of 1995. I remember that tournament very well. Uh, she beat Liz Africano. There's like a good chance like the great Sasuke was on that show or something. <laughs> Probably. Her last fight was in 2000 against Yumiko Hota. She could have been who, a contemporary uh, of Chris Benoit. I bet you she wrestled on a show with Chris Benoit. Yeah, that's really she, awkward. She had a five-star match with Akira Hokadu in 1993. Like, seriously? Yeah. Like, Okay. And now she'll get beat up by Gabby Garcia next year on New Year's Eve. <laughs> think about it. her feud. It comes full circle. Like think about that though. This feud runs on presidential election cycles. <laughs> like Hillary Clinton may get revenge against Donald Trump before Candore does on Gabby Garcia. She also did judo. Huh. Interesting. By the way, I, I was I will say this about uh, Floyd though. Uh, yes, this is probably the, this is the first time I've ever I've ever heard of a black guy being falsely accused of working. So <laughs> I wrote that down earlier today, and then I said you wrote that down. I wrote it down, and then I said that's not even good. It was better in my head when I wrote it out earlier, and then I said a reminder to remind myself. It would it would sound a lot better coming off the cuff, being like. Hey, look, nobody, nobody's going to believe that Floyd was working. He's a black guy or something like that. But instead of, like, I kind of shoehorned it in after Gabber Garcia. Gabber Garcia. All right. Uh, anything else on uh, Ryzen? I don't think so. Nothing no. of note. Uh, then last night, not last night, but the most recent show on New Year's Eve uh, was the PFL Finals. We have five new millionaire MMA fighters, and only one of them retired immediately afterwards. 
We yeah. had Magomed Magomed Karamov defeating Ray Cooper the third by submission, guillotine choke at two eighteen of the second to win the welterweight title. Yeah, I think I remember that. Yeah. Felipe Leans defeated Josh Copeland via TKO at thirty seconds of the fourth round to win the heavyweight title. They gave that guy a million dollars. Sean O'Connell got a million dollars for defeating Vinny Magalesh okay. via TKO at five minutes of the third. It was a TKO corner stoppage to win the light heavyweight strap. That fight was awesome. Like that was a really good fight. So I was I, very happy. I was very happy watching it. I watched that fight as well. Um, Magalesh, like, still looks like he's never like done any striking ever. Like. It was bad. He was gassed after the first round, just kind of like laying on his back, trying to get O'Connell to come down with him. Then O'Connell would go to the ground with him and just punch him in the face repeatedly. Like, Maglesh looked really bad, And yet, I thought. And yet, at the very end, Maglesh almost grabbed an arm bar. I saw that. Out of, yeah, out of yeah, nowhere. Yeah. And it was just like, yeah. he came really close to it. But for the most part, his striking was such that Gabby Garcia was criticizing him, and his cardio was such... That Bob Sapp was going, come on, man, you got to run a little bit. Like, he kind of had that look on his face like Sapp had in that fight where he's just like so dead tired and just punching the guy. At the end, he's happy, except for in this case, he just lost, got knocked out. You think if you had a million dollars on the line, you would go for a job. Shape of your life. I would definitely go for a jog. Somebody said, hey, if you you just go for a three mile run every day for the next six weeks, you win a million dollars. I'd be like, I think I could do that. I think I've got that. I think I've got that half an hour to commit every day. Just go for a run. Uh, you know, it turns out I'm also a professional athlete, so it'll just fit into my regular schedule of always exercising. <laughs> yeah, you would think, wouldn't you? Uh, someone who looked in pretty good shape though was Kayla Harrison. She defeated Moriel Charneski, uh, a two and three fighter, via TKO at three thirty nine of the first round. Uh, this fight was contested at 155 pounds. Harrison looked really, really good. She beat the shit out of this woman on the ground, just punches. Um, she couldn't get up. She had her mounted. Um, obviously, the competition is very thin at 155. If you think 145 is bad, it's going to be that much worse at 155. But Harrison looks really good, really athletic, like she won a couple gold medals. And it's too bad that there aren't any women around her size because she looks really good. I'd love to see her against like other real fighters. It's just a bummer that none exist right now. Kind of makes me wonder about the, how difficult it was for her to get that gold medal in judo. Like, I think it might be different like worldwide though, as opposed to MMA in the United States. No, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that she had like real competition and all that, but at the same time, how many women are that big competing in, you know, combat sports on any in any way? And I mean, obviously, yes, she was the best of all of them. But you would think that there'd be a bunch of like the silver medalists from the other years or something like that who might do MMA. And instead, she's fighting the the chick that's two and three, who's 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 like who may or may not have lost to Candori once back in uh, Amarillo, Texas, in the late nineties or something. Um, there is women's heavyweight judo. That's 78 kilograms. 
Half heavyweight is 70 to 78. And middleweight 63 to oh, 70. Oh, I know they have it. I'm just saying the talent pool. No, I'm just wondering. No, but I'm wondering where she falls, though. Can Dory, you know I mean? by the way, go back to that. Can Dory was a contemporary of Terry Funk? Um, well, 70 kilograms would be 154. So that's probably where she fought. Yeah. So she fought at middleweight. There's two weight classes above her. She was right in the middle. I'm not saying there's a ton of women her size, but it's not like she's the biggest one. She's not in Gabby Garcia's division. No, yeah, no, there's Gabby Garcia does exist out there. Her match, you can see her skill level is clearly ex- excellent. Nobody likes fat chicks. I don't think either of them are fat. Too fat for me. Interesting. I have very high standards. I guess. I'd just be more scared of either one of them. Uh, Kayla Harrison actually would be, probably it seems like it'd be a nice person to go on a date with. Gabby would kind of scare the shit out of me. Like she would like, I think that, imagine her like, I mean, it's awful. I don't want to think about it. It just seems like every one of those skits with DX on like some sort of date with China or something like that. <laughs> Like, I've just pictured, like, you're on a date and, like, there's Shawn Michaels behind you in, a, in like, spandex with a, with a rose between his teeth. <laughs> He's kind of shaking his ass in your face. Uh, I think they could both easily beat the shit out of you, though, right? Uh, who's Shawn Michaels? Shawn, uh, yeah, Shawn Michaels, Kayla Harrison, and Gabby Garcia could all kick your ass. I think I could beat up Shawn Michaels. Really? Shawn Michaels is going to fight. Like, it's fake. None of it works for real. Uh, I feel like he could super kick you. Yeah, but I can hear him hitting his foot on the ground. I know what his <laughs> tail is. And I've seen it countered uh, into an ankle lock, so I know what to do. Another millionaire is Nathan Schulte. He defeated Rashid Magomedov for a unanimous decision, 48-46, on all three scorecards to win the lightweight title. I mean, when they were standing backstage, one of the executives from uh, NBC Sports must have looked at us and go, this is a really bad idea. Like, we all agree. We will never be giving away a million dollars to people who could have been named Magomedov. And yet nobody Magomedov won anything. Uh, the first Magomedov oh, did. Right, yeah. the Magomed, Magomed. One, one of the other three or whatever did not. But Yes. Lance Palmer defeated Steven Seiler by unanimous decision to win the featherweight title. Did he get a million dollars for that? Or was this just for yeah. the fight? That was a tournament yeah. also? Yeah, all these are tournament fights. Wait, was Kayla Harrison's a tournament? No. Okay. She had a title, didn't she? I don't think she did. I thought they gave her a, a shiny belt to celebrate May, the impressiveness of... You know, look, I could have missed You need to commemorate it. that victory over a two and three chick. You're going to want to look at look on your wall. But there's a gold medal I got for winning the, the Olympics. And there's that belt I got for beating that chick that was two and three. So three and three if you count that one win over that chick at Arby's. So. Lewis Taylor defeated Abu Supian Magomedov via knockout at 33 of the first. Uh, crazy knockout. The Magomedov, this Magomedov went down hard. Like he was out. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. the tree falling. Um, so uh, the good news is like I think Four of Ali Abdelaziz fighters lost, so he didn't get that big bonus. He stood to earn $500,000 off this show. Gee, uh, funny how that works out. Good for Lewis Taylor, by the way. Uh, I trained, I used to train with Lewis a little bit. Like, when, mm-hmm. m- many, many years ago, I've talked about that thing. And 
Now he's a millionaire. Now he's a, yeah. I assure you. You, have had, you guys have gone on d- divergent paths. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty safe to say. Yeah. Wow, when you put it that way. You know, I'm starting to see more and more of this in my life. Just people taking the path I didn't take, and they're all having incredible success. I think I might need to make some changes in my life. PFL president Carlos Silva said, we are thrilled to have six deserving champions earn their titles in an unprecedented $1 million in front of a great New York crowd on New Year's Eve. He should have said, we are, proud, been... we are grateful and proud to have five deserving champions and never told anybody who was the bad one. Each of them fought their way through the grueling playoff system to come out as champions in their respective brackets. We're looking forward to what 2019 holds as our inaugural season proves that the PFL's unique format works and promotes enticing matchups culminating in one champion. Hey. It's sad when Gabby Garcia gets more talk fighting a grandmother than your entire million dollar show. Look, if you ignore Sorry, the fact Carlos. That, if you ignore the fact that they spent like ten million dollars or whatever on bullshit <laughs> tournaments. It's a great idea, and I applaud them, and I hope they do this every year. I love the tournament format. I fucking love tournament, love tournament, love tournament. I think it works out perfect to have your tournaments all year, and then you have something on New Year's Eve for some loser like me who's just like, I got nothing to watch. I'm going to watch Gabby, uh, I don't know, Gabby Garcia. I'm going to watch uh, the, American, <laughs> the American Gabby Garcia. And uh, but Here's the thing. There's too, there's, there's too much MMA is the problem. Like, not, I don't have an issue you know, with this not. format. Okay. I, I, this show had no no hype, and it was the oh, biggest show of the year. Oh, I'm not saying this is a this is a viable or or good business model, mind you. At all, okay. like they're not going okay. to make any money. But if they're going to burn money, they might as well burn money in a way that I find entertaining as a product. Okay, like I don't really know. If, like Bellator, they've had their tournament, and honestly, it's actually been the most memorable thing they've done. And it's been a piece of shit. Tournaments are great. People like tournaments. Like that thing, Dada versus Kimbo is the most memorable thing they've done. That's kind of part of the tournament. <laughs> the tournament of life. Both on the loser uh, bracket on that one. Dana White says Khabib Nurmagomedov versus Conor McGregor rematch should happen in 2019. Well, I would hope so. I would hope that after the past week, we are all very, very clear that the UFC is going to do whatever makes the most money possible that there is nothing else here. Sorry, Tony Ferguson, you're never going to fight for the title. Uh, White told TMZ sports. I think a lot of people want to see that fight. You're going to see how this thing plays out. Obviously again, we haven't gone in front of the Nevada state athletic commission. That's got to happen. And when it does, we can figure out how this whole thing plays out. In case anybody, by the way, was ever also into the, uh, misinterpretation of the reality that the UFC was upset with Connor or Khabib for this at all. Uh, on New Year's Eve, <laughs> I turned on ESPN2 randomly, and there was UFC. And I was like, yeah. oh shit, it's begun. And the first thing they showed was Connor versus Khabib. And yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, I hit the record button. I wake up in the morning the next day to finish watching the fight, because I turned it off for the New Year's, the celebrations, if you will. And uh, yeah, they showed the entire post-fight melee, they interspliced amazing camera work, like actual good cameras, like 
this beautiful shot of Khabib launching himself overhead. Like they played it up for, they got great angles and all of it. So they are running right into it. They are not ashamed. They don't think anything bad came of this, as which should surprise no one. Yeah, was that that Ariel Hawani New Year's Eve show? He did like a three-hour show on ESPN. No, 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 no. Oh, and maybe he did something, but the this was just. It looks like they just pretty much repackaged uh, shit from Fox Sports. But. Uh, maybe it was after Helwani's thing. I think there was UFC stuff on after that, too. Yeah. He did, I, like, an award show end of the year sort yeah. of shit. I, I did not spend my New Year's Eve watching Ariel Helwani. God damn it. There, there we go again. I could have, I spent my New Year's Eve watching MMA. I did the same thing Ariel did. I just didn't get paid for it. My sliding, my sliding windows or whatever doors moment is really awful. Uh, White went on. Is Max Holloway moving to 155? Tony Ferguson's obviously in the mix. We got to see how this thing plays out. When pressed on whether the fight could happen this year, White concluded that it could. Yeah, I do, White replied when asked if the fight could happen this year. Obviously, guys are going to have to win it. It depends how long the suspensions are. But yeah, as long as everything goes right, this fight should happen. They've created a really weird uh, kind of like accepted career path now which is you fight in your division you beat a bunch of guys you win your title in your division and then you move up to the next division right away this seems to be like the going story for every single division every time a guy wins a title they're like and so uh tyrone willie you're gonna move up to 185 is like i might do it like that is that's the only thing that exists we're in the era of super fights now that i say it out loud i realize we know this stuff and it's obviously going to be connor it would be the dumb. It would be. Why would they make any other fight? Khabib doesn't want anything else. Connor wants. Everybody wants it. We get to drink more fucking proper twelve whiskey, and we can kill the Connor McGregor hype train forever. Oh, it'll be a sad day. See, part of the problem is it's like, who else could Connor fight? Could you do Nate Diaz again? Yeah. You might lose that fight. You could do that. But oh, it's but like the not- only fight. It's the best yeah. fight. Because, again, any other fight you could do with Connor could happen if he's lost to Khabib. Mm. And if he loses to anybody else, the Khabib fight doesn't necessarily work as well. Because the Khabib fight is dependent upon some aspect of, like, sporting pride and in being involved. Like, nobody's going to watch Connor and uh, Nate fight because they, they care about the sport of it all. Yeah. I, I, I the only The only way it might be bigger is if they did like Khabib versus Ferguson and Khabib beats Tony and then Connor beats somebody else, whether it's Nate or Poirier or somebody else, then maybe they both come out bigger and looking more legit and the fight does a little more. But maybe but I don't if, even know if that's the case. But, but you're risking the, both of them if you do that. Also, what's the point? The last time they fought it was the biggest thing ever. So if something was the biggest because thing. Because you ever, can drag Connor out a little bit. I, I think Connor losing again one sided, it's like He's looking bad at that point. You know, like I, I feel like a win and then a loss would bolster him up a little bit, I think, but I, I don't know. All right, I'll do it. I'll fight him. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll take a dive. <laughs> What's the weight class? It doesn't matter. I'll, but I, I will, uh, I'll make sure I go down in the first just to be safe. We don't want to uh, accidentally upset this one. One fight that's not going down, according to Dana, is Nick Diaz versus Jorge Masvidal. It was... <laughs> What's so funny? Just the idea that the fight that Dana's got to be out there like, nope, that shit's not happening. 
And I imagine he's got to be like, I don't know where somebody came up with this bullshit. It sounds like a Diaz thing. Uh, the belt was rumored to be going down at the upcoming UFC 232. That's not right. March 2nd. It must have been 233, 4. 44. I don't know. But Diaz wasn't too committed to the fight, citing contract issues with the promotion. According to White, it's pretty clear the fight is no longer going to happen. All you've got to do is look at Diaz's Instagram. I don't think it looks like he's training for a fight. On the other hand, who knows with Diaz? I mean, he also could just be in the middle of marathons. Uh, as if, I don't know why this fight was going to be made in the first place. Like, of all the fights, like, Nick Diaz comes back after half a decade away and he's going to fight Jorge Masvidal. <laughs> it did seem weird. I agree. But the Diaz's are weird and I, I think they like Masvidal for some reason. Like, I think he offered to take a short notice fight with Nate when Poirier pulled out of the New York show and they they like that or whatever. That That was the vibe I get. But He's a gangster like they are. These are not the, the smartest individuals, are they? And uh, yet and yet they have outsmarted everyone on route to making millions of dollars. So Yeah, I, I don't know if wealth and intelligence always go hand in hand. There's probably smart poor people out there too. That's for sure. <laughs> That's definitely true. Uh Another guy who's not going to fight anytime soon in the UFC is Fabricio Verdum. He's currently serving a two-year suspension by USADA. According to his manager, Ali Abdelaziz, who's always a good source of information, uh, he said, I think Fabricio's done. You will never see him in the UFC again. They need to do what they need to do, but at the end of the day, Fabricio has to do whatever he needs to do for his family. After his suspension ends and he comes back, he'll be 43. What is he going to do? If they open a senior league, we'll wait. I think Fabricio will be fighting in Russia next, to be honest with you. Wow. I need the UFC's blessing for this. I want their blessing. I mean, okay. If, he, is he, if he's that desperate for money, then he made some bad career choices a long time ago. <laughs> I'm guessing one of those bad career choices is hiring Ali Abdelaziz to manage your affairs. <laughs> I'm shocked that after having had this moron run all of your money for a decade or whatever, that you have nothing despite being a world champion. I'm looking forward to Verdum getting stabbed at his next fight in Chechnya. <laughs> oh, come on. There, no, there is no male-to-male penetration in Chechnya. We have no such people. Uh, another guy who's not going to be in the UFC anytime soon is Jimmy Smith. He announced on Twitter's departure from the promotion because Wait, the UFC declined to re-sign him. Jimmy Smith, the the color commentator, what? bald guy. Why the fuck would they get rid of Jimmy Smith? He wrote on Twitter, now that the new year has arrived, I'm afraid I have to announce that the UFC has declined to re-sign me. And my time with the promotion has come to an end. I just want to thank everyone at the promotion who made me feel welcome and appreciate every single show. He must be a pain in the ass or something. Doesn't seem like it. But... Um, some of the rumors included that Bisbing's going to be a color commentator and there wasn't room for uh, old Jimmy Smith. Somebody else said he was talking shit about John Jones on Twitter and they fired him. Uh, I don't know. 
it's probably the truth is it, it kind of seems more like he's as much as like Jimmy Smith. I think he's great. He doesn't serve a function from like a TV person's perspective. They got Rogan who does the same thing Smith does, but he's better at all of it. And other than that, you know, he's just a guy. He's not that great at his job, I guess. That you know, you know Paul Felder, that's for sure. That's all I'm really want to say. Yeah, I'm, I'm twittering Jimmy Smith right now. Let's see what's going on with him, Jimmy Smith. And there's, and that's the thing. Also, is it as the sport gets older and the UFC becomes more and more like the NFL as far as like how it gets integrated into the ESPN and all that. Guys like, you know, former fighters are going to start transitioning and they're going to need those roles. You know, Kenny Florian can't be the only guy on TV anymore. Yeah, I'm not seeing much. Um, I, I, I like Jimmy Smith. I thought he was good. I, yeah, me I too. Mean, I was a big fan. I don't feel strongly one way or the other. I'm not going to, like, miss him or anything, but um, he was good. I, I didn't have an issue with him. Like, I, I, I'd much rather have him than DC. Well, Okay. Okay. Yeah. But no, I mean, I wish him well in his future and uh, future um, endeavors. Yeah. Maybe he could be the, uh, actually, he'd be a really good uh, English person for uh, 1FC. Kind of be their spokesperson in America, unless they hire me to do it. You are really desperate for uh, some work. Yeah. New Year, new me. Uh, oh, in some good news, a person who's getting a big break is Greg Hardy. He is going to co-main UFC's first ESPN card. And on the same card, fights Paige Van Zandt, who was not renewed by Reebok. Oh, sucks to be a woman these days in the UFC. Why... We know why. We live in a world <laughs> where Greg Hardy is going to come in like the biggest show in like, I want to say UFC history, obviously, but it's a big show. The first show on ESPN, like this is big for UFC. It's like you're going to come in with Greg Hardy. It's so stupid. Look, we, we have established how... John Jones is the Hannibal Lecter run free of the UFC. Well, okay, Greg Hardy is coming. And this may be why John Jones doesn't want to go up to heavyweight. Maybe he's seen the future and he's like, I ain't going to fuck with that stuff. Because think about it. They're just like Greg Hardy. I mean, if they're like John Jones do steroids, if they like Greg Hardy do steroids, oh boy, this is going to get real bad real quick. So <laughs> the card, I'm trying to find the date. It's the one with Dillashaw. And, yeah, it's going to be a good uh, show. Like next week. It's not this coming week. 13th. I think the 19th. Oh, next, oh okay. 19th. Okay, good. So a couple weeks. But um, the so this is how it works. The early prelims are on ESPN+. Plus. The prelims are on regular old ESPN at 8 o'clock. And then they're going to try and get you to go to ESPN+, Plus for the main card at 10. Which kind of makes sense. The main card's got... It's okay, headlined by Cejudo versus Dillashaw. Co-main, Alan Crowder versus Greg Hardy. Uh, then you've got Gregor Gillespie versus Yancy Medeiros. Benavides Ooh. versus Dustin Ortiz. Rachel Ostevich versus Paige Van Zant, And Ion Kutaleba versus Glover Teixeira. 
So it's a good main card, good free show. Oh, I mean, this uh, would be a good a lot of this names. would be a good pay per view yeah. to be honest. Just 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 open the main card with Hardy. Yeah. It's just it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, I get uh, it's ESPN. I'm sure it's their call. We get it. We know why this is happening. Uh, I I you know I I watch sports. Um, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> cool. I, I, I mean, I, Greg Hardy. Tell Greg me Hardy more. Is always a you know he's a guy, but I I. I don't know. Are, are there that many people out there who just like, oh, really? Greg Hardy's doing MMA. I can't wait to watch that. Like, it's like, be like, if, it'd be like if Brian Urlacher was going to fight. I'd be like, oh, that's kind of sad. Like, whenever you see like athletes well, doing something that isn't their sport, my first instinct is always, oh, what, what went wrong with his career? Because we know what he's put on this earth to do, and it's to make a billion dollars more. Okay, a couple million dollars more playing football. So. I'm still gonna watch. Um, what's ESPN Plus? Five bucks. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right. Best money I spend every month. Better than the weed. Second best money I spend every month. Uh, no shows this weekend. There's no UFC, there's no Bellator, there's no PFL, there's no Ryzen. Everybody's on, on vacation, it seems like. Well, that's kind of depressing. I guess they all want to get ready for college football. Well, what are you going to do? Well, the national championship game is on Monday. So, What are you going to do Friday and Saturday? I, I, not me. The fight fans. Bellator and all them want to see the stage for the weekend. <laughs> to the college football so we can all just pregame. What are you going to do this weekend with no fights? Oh, I'm going to pregame for the college football. I'm going <laughs> to yeah, I'm gonna read blogs about it and, uh, you know, watch Kirk I, Herbstreet. Do you care about college football? Um, do you care about no. it at all? I mean, I like yeah, when it's – Me neither. I, I, I will watch, you know, I'll watch it when it's on TV. I don't hate it. Like, I like football enough, but I, you know. In stuff news, uh, Mean Gene Okerlund has died at the age of 76. You probably remember him as a kid, Mr. Coughlin, WCW, WWF, oh, yeah. like uh, announcer guy. Oh, yeah, way back He when. would interview interview wrestlers. What, what are your first memories of Mean Gene? My first memories of me, well, not my first memory. My first memory is probably someone, is, I'm sure it's just him interviewing Hogan or Warrior. It just seems like that's what yeah. I always remember. Uh that eating one of his hamburgers at Mean Gene's Hamburgers in the Sioux Falls airport. That was a treat. There was a napkin with his face on it. I had that for years. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's sad that he's dead, I guess. I mean, I never heard anything bad about him. He's like, he's such like a throwback. Because now it's like they're so concerned about people's appearances and um, how they look and are they camera friendly and all the shit. And like, you go back to like the mid 80s or whatever and I mean, he died at 76. You're talking like he was probably four, like my age almost, like totally bald already and like not in good shape at all. But he was on this like nationally syndicated huge program. And it's just odd because Vince is so concerned with how guys look and their bodies and he's pushing all these steroid guys. But for years he had Mean Gene on TV. Yeah, well, back then I guess they recognized the value of what he could do. Uh, you know, it, it, it was a different time when – Somebody had the, the audacity to think that the guy who we pay to talk should be able to talk. Who cares if he looks pretty or not? 
But, uh, you know, might, we can't all be Michael Cole. So rest in peace, Mean Gene. I mean, you, you, you did this thing. I liked Mean Gene. I liked him. It's like a, a straight, straight guy playing off the wrestlers. He could be sarcastic and, you know, what, would you stop it? And it's stuck with Heenan. But I was thinking today, too, it's like all those guys are dead now. Gorilla Monsoon, Heenan. Yeah. Mean Gene, just those commentators and that are like the guys I grew up watching. And I'm thinking, like, how is Jesse Ventura and Hulk Hogan still alive? And Mean Gene and Heenan, and like the guys who weren't all roided up and probably on as many drugs are dead. Like that didn't. It was just weird how life can be that way. You never know who's going to make it and who's not. And um, I, I was thinking about it a little bit. I'm like, that's really weird that some of these wrestlers are still going knowing what they did and the, the announcers of the same generation are all dropping off. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, literally the person that loses the most is Gabby Garcia. Cause she loses another potential opponent. <laughs> I would watch that. Mean Gene wrestled once in the Russo era in WCW it was in a tag match with Mark. Of Matt. course he did. Nobody remembers it though, except for me. Cause it was so weird. I like the most obscure random shit. Uh, another obscure random person uh, passed away. Super Dave Osborne, also known as Bob Einstein. You familiar? I had no idea. Well, that that's not true. But it's only been the past couple of years that I really became aware that he was not Dave Osborne. Like in my brain, he was always Understood. Super Dave. That's just who he right. I didn't realize like, he's an actor comedian that created this character. Like, I don't know. He's just like this weird fucking failed stunt guy that I wasn't really sure what it was on Saturday mornings for a while. And then he went away. You know what? Like, I think it was on after wrestling when I was a kid, like after, cause it would be superstars on Saturday morning, then challenge. And somewhere in there, I remember yeah. super Dave being on, I don't know if it was for a year or a couple years or like a cartoon the window or was Cause I was young. There was a cartoon too, and I didn't know if it was real or fake because I was probably whatever ten years old and only half paying attention or whatever. But some stuff looking back, I was watching some of it today. It's pretty freaking funny. Like all all the stuff he's getting shot out of a cannon, but it's like clearly just like a, a dummy being shot out of this cannon, flopping around. He's getting like crushed by different like monster trucks and all this stuff. And the stunts always go wrong. And it's just a rip off of evil Knievel, but it was a little um, Borat like in a way. Like I say, it's kind of, it was kind of, it was ahead of its time in a way. Yeah. It was kind of a little meta commentary thing. And uh, well, to me, I love the guy just from his work on Kirby enthusiasm. I think he's, he was a genius, and uh, hey, rest in peace to him too. I guess. I wonder who's next. Some yes. weirdos out there is got got be going. Oh, this isn't going to be a good week for me. Like uh, the guy from like Pet Shop Boys or something. I don't know. Uh, what's his face? Oh, uh, Boy George. If I was Boy George, I'd be on the lookout for death. He should probably be on the lookout for death, anyways. <laughs> I mean, have you seen Bird Box on Netflix? I have. I have not. I watched what, it on New Year's you, Eve. Winning. That's what what were did, your thoughts? Yeah. Uh, it was good. Yeah. yeah it, it, uh, no. Go oh, ahead. I was going to say, it wasn't like it reinvented the wheel or anything like that, but uh, a good solid driller and uh, yeah. Okay. 
Uh, following the release of Netflix's Bird Box, the streaming service is urging viewers not to partake in a challenge which involves people putting blindfolds on themselves. I mean, you're sitting there and you're an executive at Netflix, right? And like you're friends with Barack Obama and all this shit. You're worth all this obscene amounts of money. And every day you have to hear people chanting and saying, you're evil. You're the 1%. You're, you're what's wrong with this country. You're consolidating power. What's, why should you have this? We should take from these greedy, evil, rich people and give to the people, the masses. And then you you got to be sitting there, and, and sometimes you have to think, God damn, am I wrong? Am I greedy? Like, they, they have to wonder that, right? They have to sit there and go, am I really evil like Bernie Sanders and all of them say that I am? And then they have to realize, no, I'm not. I deserve to have my money because my customers need to be told, don't put a fucking blindfold on and run around the fucking world. These people are morons who deserve to not have any of their money. We should give all of our money to Netflix. Quote, unquote, Netflix on Twitter said, can't believe I have to say this, but please do not hurt yourselves with this bird box challenge. We don't know how this started and we appreciate the love, uh, but have just one wish for 2019 and is that you do not end up in the hospital due to memes. There's going to be so many... We're all worried about children dying from school shootings, and yet the future does seem to be involving more meme-related death than I could have ever imagined. Yeah, we are having to tell people, hey, don't hurt yourself. What? Why are we doing this? Why are we... This is the nanny state. Forget about the nanny state. The nanny state used to be, you know, people were concerned, like, the garbage telling me what to do. I don't want to write with a helmet or whatever, like, that's me, but there was kind of like this idea that like they were kind of like just kind of a little annoying, and now it's like different. This isn't nanny state behavior. A nanny would never tolerate the child so stupid. If you had a little child that had to be told not to hurt itself, you wouldn't leave it in the care of a nanny. You'd commit it. We as a society need to be committed and never allowed out of a room because otherwise we will watch a movie. And as a result of watching a movie, think, yeah, let's fucking blindfold myself and drive a car. I bet I can do it. They're like, they're doing like stupid shit around the house, like trying to do the laundry blindfolded and stuff, I guess is what is happening. I, but... I mean, I thought it was, <laughs> we all deserve everything that's coming to us. You, you know what, though? Here's the thing. There are blind people in the world who manage to function. I, d- I don't know how much of a, a challenge this is. <laughs> that is true. It's, it is a little insulting to be like, hey, man, look at this. I was able to look, look, at me, look, look at this really impressive thing I managed to do. Without the use of my eyes, I was able to bathe myself. Oh, oh, oh look at that. Look, I took a shit in the toilet and didn't splash everywhere. I'm a miracle worker. These blind people have no idea how impressive this is. Uh, what do you know about Christian uh, Pulisic? Did I pronounce Pulisic, that right? Uh, great. I know yeah, everything about you him. You signed with Chelsea? Yes. $73 million deal? Yeah. Is this a big deal? Do we care? Yeah. Um, I'm upset at that. There was a rumor he was going to sign with Liverpool for a while, but Chelsea, uh, I don't like them as a club. They're very posh. Uh, they also have a kid. Irony. I'm not posh. Uh Nobody, whatever. If you're watching Premier League soccer, it's a little, <laughs> little snooty. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but I'm watching for the hooligans. 
Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it, I, I think he'll, he'll be. I think it looks like he'll be in a good situation, though. Uh, the money is like three or four times more than any American player has ever gone for. It's the kind of money that, like, if a club spends that money on somebody, they're serious about them. Like that's real money. Even today, like the prices are played. So yeah, it's a it's a deal. But at the same time, he's no guaranteed. Still, he still has to prove it. Like he's got all this talent. He's shown himself to be very good. But he's got that potential to be like a legitimately like world class player. And uh, mm-hmm. I think what he needs to do is just buckle down. Uh, listen to me. Obviously, uh, <laughs> clearly, at the age of thirty five, I should be giving advice to twenty year old wonder kids athletes. Yeah, think about that though. He could, if he didn't know what he was doing, he's just like, like I need a lawyer. And he could like find me to be like, hey, look at that. He's older than me, and he's a lawyer. He could rely on me for advice, and I would just be looking at him, being like, dude, you're twenty, and you're a god. I hate you. That went dark. Ooh. I have some unresolved issues. Like he has he has he played for the U.S. team, like the national team yeah. yet, or was he? No, no, he's played. Yeah, he's he played for the national team since he's like seventeen, uh, and okay. he's been. He's, okay. And when he plays, he's clearly the best player we have. Like he is a step above anything we've ever really had uh, in American soccer. So, uh, and I think some who was the best before him, like Landon Donovan. Or um, something? if you if you set aside goalkeepers, because America's had like some oddly like world class goalkeepers, like. Uh, yeah play for Manchester United and shit like that. Like highest at the high level. So uh I think it's because we're big. We're just big people. Um other than that, yeah, um as far as like outfield players as they would say um yeah I mean you've got your Landon Donovans and those types of guys. Uh Clint Dempsey maybe. Not not a ton of guys like you know, we're talking people who are backup ish on lower to mid level teams in the premier league and christian pulisic is being brought in as like a a potential starting star level guy on a club that has ambitions to be the realistic ambitions to be the best team in all of europe so it's it's quite the big it goes from like journeyman baseball player to all so uh yeah good for him i wonder i wonder if he'll he'll make it or the pressure will get him even if it's not pressure, it could just be the fact there's only so many guys who are that good in life. These, I watch this shit. I watch a lot of soccer, I have to admit. And uh, they're really good at it. These guys are really good at this shit. It's impressive. Were, were you at a motel in Memphis last week? Uh, no. No, I was not. Mm-hmm. This must not have been you. There's a big mess at a motel in Memphis Thursday night after a guest got gross and began flinging feces in the lobby. Oh, oh, I think it meant last weekend on a Thursday. Oh, well, no, still not. Disgusting. It happened around 7.20 p.m. at the airport in on Brooks Road near I-55. Police said they responded to the motel three times Thursday because of the alleged antics of Bernstein Wright, 53 years old. Three times? Like the first time, how many times does somebody? Police, how many times does the police get called? Yeah, we got a, uh, we got a patron just throwing shit around here, and you're the cops. You got to go. All right, well, uh, that's not something we do. And then you just every time they call back, you have to be like, well, no, we don't do that. And the third time, you have to be like, okay, I guess uh, 
If she's still throwing it, it's been like 15 minutes. This could be like a medical emergency or something here. So, yeah. The first time police said motel staff told them she was drunk and wandering the motel causing a disturbance. Officers said she slammed a door on an officer's foot when they arrived and used the bathroom on herself. And yet they didn't do anything with her. Just like, well, she shat herself after she hit a cop. But I'm not touching her. And by the way, if you ever want to know how you get out of like, most people you hit a cop cop with the door, they're going to take you in. The way to ensure they don't is just to shit yourself. They're like, oh, fuck, I'm not doing this. (laughs) Police gave her a warning and left, but were called back less than an hour later. This time, police said Wright was in the lobby, flicking her feces, urine-soaked towels, and empty beer cans at fellow guests and staff. I like that the towels are soaked in urine. <laughs> like she's like, like she's panicked. Like she's like, there's so much urine on the floor. She's it's sopping, and she's like carrying it down to the front desk because, like, we know we're aware that she soiled herself in the room. The cops watched her soil herself. And then sometime during that soiling, she cleaned it up partially, scooped up the feces with her hand because, duh, that's what you do, and then made her way down to the lobby. You can imagine the people who got in the elevator with her must have been like, oh, fuck. Like, you know, you usually are in the elevator. And you just, like, don't make eye contact. Like, that's one of those where you're like, I don't know if I want to, like, make eye contact and, like, let her know, like, hey, I'm on your side. Give, give them hell for me. Like, so, like, she thinks you're friendly. Or you're afraid if you acknowledge her that she will do that thing where, like, you know, you twist up a wet towel real tight and smack someone with it. She would do that with her urine-soaked towel. (laughs) Police said they escorted her from the property at this point. Don't nobody want to clean up no other man's feces. That's just sickly. And that's probably why I'm sick now, said the man who works as a janitor at the motel. He said this isn't the first time he's had to clean up something disgusting. But there's he's been a, doing a lot of things. Yeah. Oh, you're telling me that the, the – the, if you want to talk about a guy who has seen some things in this world that will turn you white, is the janitor at a motel outside of a Memphis airport. The stories. The, <laughs> like every time that guy opens a door, you just know he holds his breath. He's got to be like, all right, let's see what the fuck the kids did this time. He opens it up, and he's never sure what color things are, what those fluids are, if that's a real dead body, or what is going on. This is Rampage Jackson country. Yeah. They've been doing a lot of things that's obscene because I've cleaned up feces, and God knows. I just don't know, man. After leaving the motel, police said Wright eventually returned, and they arrested her. As they were doing so, she allegedly said she wasn't going down without a fight and asked if the officers would like to brawl, then threatened to blow up the motel. Wait a second. Is she related to that guy? They said he was going to drop a bomb in the toilet, and then they called the cops on him because he was taking a dump at that restaurant. No, I think this is unrelated. Man, is this just a new trend of people threatening bodily poop bombs on hotels and establishments? You know, if you're, if, you're, if you're a cop, you know, you like that cop, all those cops were on a very, very, very quick trigger finger on the stun gun for this one. They must be like, she makes one step towards me. I'm going to tase that bitch. She is covered in her own feces and shit. I am going to tase her so fucking fast that, that she is going to fry in her own urine soaked towel. Yeah. Do you think you get like electrocuted more when they zap you if you're covered in 
urine that's still wet? I don't think that being covered in urine ever helps any situation that you're in. <laughs> it never makes things better. Like, nobody's ever been like, unless it's you're just like stung by a jellyfish. They, like, jellyfish, the only time, like, the only time anybody's ever been like, I'm so glad I'm covered in urine is if immediately after that, a bunch of jellyfish fell on them. Uh, motel staff told police Wright caused $1,400 worth of damage in her room alone. Wright is charged with assault, disorderly conduct, public intoxication, vandalism, and aggravated criminal trespass. The public intoxication one's bullshit because she was not publicly intoxicated. <laughs> to paraphrase the great uh, uh, Ron White, she was intoxicated in private. They dragged her outside. She does not want to be intoxicated in public. Like this woman was trying to be intoxicated in private, and these prissy little cops and these uptight uh, motel employees had a problem with the way that she was expressing herself as a woman. Oh God, that's good. I love that they had to go back three times. Like a lot of problems could have been solved if they just arrested her when they she slammed the door on their feet. Like these were very patient cops. Yeah, it's 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 weird to think that these are the exact these people are in the exact same profession as those that just shoot people on the slightest provocation. Meanwhile, this woman's doing everything she can to get shot, and they're like, "Nah, give her some space, guys. Let's come back two or three more times and see if she's sorted this out." You know, how, you know how when people shit themselves and piss themselves when they're clearly high on drugs, you know how usually it just gets better right away. I'm sure that's what's gonna happen. Hero cops is what we call them. And we'll do one more story here because I think we got a minute or so. Uh, I lost my thing on my phone here. I don't know how much time we have. I don't even know if we're fucking recording at this point. True. Uh, this is also a story from Memphis. Uh, that seems to be the theme today. What did Jerry, Jerry Waller, Waller do to some rampage. kid? That was just... Bullshit fabricated by Wig Keller back in 1994. Like, wasn't, wasn't meant... weren't some of those like girlfriends of his like known to be 18? Like, he would like brag about, like, yeah, she's eight, she's still in high no. school. The statutory rape charge is what I'm referring to. Well, yeah. I like that he ran for mayor and finished third in Memphis. It's pretty good. Nowadays, he'd win. Probably. His heart's not up to it now. Uh, a Memphis woman said she feels betrayed after her date stole her car and then used it to go on a date with her god sister. Uh, I'm happy to hear more. Let's see why. As far as nights out go, Faith Pugh said the one she had Saturday with Kelton Griffin was disappointing from the beginning. She said when she, he showed up, he didn't even bring his own car. I don't know who dropped him off. He just got dropped off, Pew said. Pew said she knew Griffin from their years in high school, but hadn't spoken to, spoken to him much lately until he reached out and suggested dinner. This sounds like suspiciously just, like something I might do. He just out of the blue texted me and asked me to go out, Pew said. They took Pew's black Volvo, but then Pew said Griffin couldn't decide where he wanted to take By the her. way, and she's up. presenting this like his behavior is kind of weird. Keep in mind, she said yes. Right. Must be her fault. No. They ended up stopping at an airport area gas station. What is with airport? Yeah. Is this the same Memphis airport? I'm not sure, but that's why I'm bringing it up. 
He asked me, could I go in the gas station for him to get a cigar, she said. Turns out that was a big mistake. <laughs> he drove off. I came outside and my car was gone, Pew said. In this place Pugh was a bunch of mother... shit and pissed stained towels. Pew said her mother picked her up, but then she got a surprising text from her god sister saying Griffin had asked her out. Okay. I said, oh, okay, well, send me the address to where you at. And I'm on my way. Tell him to come on. How is she on her way? She's in her car. He's, he's one step ahead together. of her. He's one step ahead of her. Pew said they used the GPS on your god sister's phone to tail Griffin before losing him, but then found him again at a drive-in movie theater on Summer Avenue. Okay, using your GPS Pew's... to tail him. This sounds like it's gone from, like, he stole, like, my car to he's kidnapped her. Pew said he was in, the, in her car with her god sister. He let her drive, so she drove him to the drive-in. He didn't even have any money. She actually paid their way to get in the drive-in so I could get my car this back. This guy is some sort of stud. I mean, he has absolutely nothing going on at any moment in this story, and yet he has two dates in one night. And a car, and, and a new Volvo, I mean, and free movie tickets. He called up some girl he hadn't seen some, since high school. He's like, hey, girl, you want to hang out? And she's like, sure. He just strolls up to her place without a car, says, let's take your car. She drives him over to a gas station. She's like, hey, hey, baby, why don't you walk inside and get me some uh, some cigars and shit like that. So she goes inside. He steals her car, picks up her sister, god sister, whatever fucking is, and like, hey, baby, let's go to the movies. I'm, I'm not going to tell you where we're going. We're just going to go to the movies. By the way, you need to pay for me. And then these women keep doing it. This is why the Me Too movement happened, ladies. You keep thinking that men are these awful, disgusting pigs, and we are. This guy's behavior isn't even all that bad abnormal for a man. Like, I could see men doing this. Men are horrible creatures. And yet there were two of you willing to probably sleep with him on the same night. I mean, the one of them was a god... One of them was her godchild or whatever, who presumably knows the car. It's like, hey, this car looks familiar. Calls up her friend. He's like, hey, I think he stole your car. Still goes on the date with him. Doesn't call. Don't doesn't stop going on the date. Women, you're the problem. As awful as men are, you keep falling for us. <laughs> Police arrested Griffin that for night. What? It's not his. It's not his first stealing a car, presumably. It's not his first arrest. Yeah. In 2016, police said he and two other men ate out before robbing a restaurant. If he's looking for company for his next meal out, Pugh said he needn't look to her. I hope he's in jail for a long time. I never want to speak to him ever again, she said. So basically, this guy is a master of crimes that involve break, slightly breaking social rules, and they tend to involve a date or a social gathering of some sort. He knows how to dine and dash and to... Uh, <laughs> our Jack. He's basically a dine and dasher. His, his big move is to go someplace, get food or some get something, have the person responsible for it, get out of sight, and then run away. This is his go-to move. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if they'd have gone that date at the dinner, if the movie theater had gone on a little later... That chick would have been going to buy popcorn and he would have been out of there. Or he would have been there, been out of there, and she he would have taken the purse that she left behind. Is there anything else we need? No, not at all.
No, I'm quickly checking the Twitter here. Doesn't appear to be any big, big Trump news or anything big here. He's been real Bernie quiet. Sanders. He's been real Bernie Sanders quiet. sexual harassment. Oh, there we go. That'll be good. Well, look, he's uh... his campaign didn't address reports of sexual harassment. Sounds like it wasn't him, but people in his uh, thing. Well, he, he was just in uh, his campaign. Look. To each according to their information. <laughs> this is good. Jeff Weaver, Sanders' 2016 campaign manager, expressed some regret with how the 2016 operation was run. Was it too male? Yes. Was it too white? Yes. Would this be a priority to remedy on any future campaign? Definitely. Really? That's your priority? Maybe just stop losing. Whatever. Who cares? They cheated. Because they did. He got fucked out of the election. And I'm supposed to believe that. Oh, yeah. So the party that clearly rigged democracy within his own internal machinations. Oh, yeah. This is going to go real well there. Bernie, I don't know what fantasy planet you live in. You keep thinking that your government's going to do the right thing. Your own party doesn't do the right thing, motherfucker. (laughs) I like the idea of Bernie and Trump debating like, makes me so happy. Oh, it makes me so happy. Boy. These two old farts not even listening to each other. Uh, be so and good. yet they both seem to energize young men. <laughs> Violent weird. young men seem to like both of them. It's like we're all looking for some, <laughs> we're all desperate for some sort of old father figure to get the hat. Oh, God. It'll be good. It'll be good. All right. On that note, I, I think we'll close out the show. Uh, thank you for listening to MMA, MMA and stuff on halfguarded.com, uh, iTunes, Google Play. Uh, check out the Twitter, the Instagram. It's all just under Half Guarded. Like us, follow us, do all that stuff. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.